it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Welcome, everybody, to the Tales of a Red Arm Wheel of Time podcast. Uh, I'm uh, one of your hosts, Justin, and my co-host, James. Hello. <laughs> From across the pond. Um, we're excited to kind of start a new podcast that's, you know, hopefully exciting for everybody. But uh, James is a, a new reader, aren't you, James? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, first time podcaster, first time reader of this great series that you've. I like how you added say... great series before you even read it. <laughs> oh, yes. It's a great series. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing. It's fabulous. Uh, I've bought t shirts, everything. It's fine. I mean, I have t shirts, but that's because, I mean, I have read it. I am a Wheel of Time veteran of many, 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 many years. Um,. But uh, maybe we could try this. Um, I'll give a little background of how I came into it, and you'll give a little background about how you heard of it and how I strong-armed you into it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, when I was a a young lad, um, probably like 12, 11, 12 or something, um, I went to my neighbor's garage sale that was like literally next door. And found a bunch of books, and I love reading, so go figure, you know, at 25 cents to 50 cents a pop and getting, like, the first seven books of the series all in one go, uh, pretty much would have been stupid of me not to do it. And, of course, I wasn't stupid. Haha. I read. I had knowledge. Go to school, kids. Um, But I got them, brought them back, burned through them, read them again and again and again. Unfortunately, I don't believe at the time I had access to any of the other ones because I didn't go to stores and buy them. I went to the library, and I don't know if they were out at the time or not. I didn't really honestly look because I just thought that was the whole series. (laughs) But that's what you get when you're 11 or 12. Um, So that was my start of the journey, and now it's been decades later, and I still basically go through the series at least twice a year whether it be in audio, audiobook form or in physical copy um, or ebook or whatever. <clears throat> I have all of the above. But, um, so yeah, that, that was how I got introduced into it. I mean, I got the, the D&D books for, I think it was like 3rd edition or 3.5 edition because I loved the story so much I thought I could create my own wor- world from it and inside the universe, of course. But, um, so yeah, that was my intro. Um, what about you, James? Uh, well, I'm very glad you can have like a, a similar background. I too am also a fancy lover, and uh, all well, the ideas of it like entails. And uh, while I have not read uh, any other books in my uh, 24 years of miserable existence, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have heard of them in a like a quite high regard, especially from uh, certainly like a uh, prominent of voices uh, such as the Shadow Diversity. He uh, he loves, yeah, loves to talk about it. I'm pretty and, sure. Uh, I think he has an actual video on like why you should read it or something, if I remember correctly. Yes. Ironically, I didn't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. But yeah, the uh, 
just from like a purely outside perspective, this is a kind of regarded as yeah, like one of the sort of better uh, sort of like kind of hot. Would you say this is a hotline fantasy? So sort of, um, I think it's considered high fantasy, I believe, but I'm not sure. It's definitely considered epic fantasy. Yeah, because I don't know. There's a like today fantasy is sort of just such a weird kind of genre, just because again it could be like anything and. I don't know. I feel like, like from me, like what I've heard and what you've to- told me, this is at least unique enough amongst it to be like at least worth a read. And I will give you good props, good sir, for having your first Wheel of Time pun already. In case you didn't. Damn it. And <laughs> <laughs> your in your uh, your beginning, it was uh, uh, Wheel of Time is lovingly referred to as uh what w-o-t so <laughs> you can always sneak that in there and see if somebody catches it <laughs> but uh congratulations good sir um so at, as everyone hopefully realizes it is james first time to the series so he will not catch the puns that anybody who is familiar with the series <laughs> will will catch like myself um, and I will bring them up because I'm a big fan of the "butum" type of jokes. Um, but hopefully, we'll have <laughs> quite quite a quite a bit of humor in this. And I will let everybody know I'm also a massive Tolkien fan, so uh, there will probably be many Lord of the Rings jokes I drag into this just because they just fit everywhere, and I it's impossible to avoid the memes on the interwebs and everything else, but. I digress. So, um, since we've done our little introduction, uh, it's probably time to go over what to expect from this podcast. Um, Most people do not realize what a red arm is, and I'm not going to really describe what a red arm is, since this is Tales of a Red Arm. People might want to know what it is, but you'll kind of get it as you go along. Um, it's a couple books in like five or six books in where you'll actually see what a red arm is, but I, from, from a position of fandom, it's something I relate to a lot. Um, just because it's my favorite part of my favorite parts of the books. Um, for those of you who know what it is, please don't spoil it for anybody else. (laughs) Um, the, that's also another part of this podcast is to basically make, new readers get a better grip or grasp on the series than those of us who are returning veterans or coming back just because we want to hear another kind of like shortened version of it. Cause unfortunately I, we can't do this word for word because copyrights and lawsuits and I, I'm not that rich. Uh, but oh yeah, anyway, not well. Yeah, if I'm ever that rich, I'll be completely shocked. But James, I hear you're loaded, so you you could totally do it, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Bring it on! Bring it on the lawsuits! Woo! Full the fandom! (laughs) But uh, yeah, so um, what we're gonna try to do this from a beginning to end chapter by chapter uh, I, I did a little bit of research to see what else people were going and 
to some extent, people were covering it chapter to chapter, but uh, I'm, I'm a very big fan of heavy detail, so I wanted to give a little bit more uh, detail, or as I prefer to call it, paraphrase detail, to basically everything um, and get a little bit more detail than what I've heard on other podcasts or other uh, seminars or whatever you consider them uh, lectures on this particular fandom and its universe involved with it. But um, basically as we go through, I would personally ask, and I hope James would agree with me being a first time uh, reader himself. Uh, please do not spoil this for other people. Um, I don't have a particular way to enforce that anymore than, you know, coming to your house and taping your mouth and saying, don't say that shush. Um, but just out of the kindness and, you know, a more of a welcoming feel to any of the, the, the newbies, so to speak, um, that are new to the series and are interested because obviously they have the Amazon TV uh, series version adaptation of this coming out. People, more people will become interested, hopefully, in the series, um, particularly from my particular favorite viewpoint of the book series specifically. And then as the series comes out, uh, we'll see what it's like. Um, I've never been particularly fond of adaptations of any type, but hey, they pulled it off with Lord of the Rings. Maybe they'll shock me and pull it off with a TV series for the Wheel of Time. Um, I would die happy if they did, but I'm not particularly sure where they're going with it. Um, and maybe at a later point after we've finished the first book or two, um, cause we should be done that well before they finish production on, um, the t- on the TV series. I, I mean, you never know. I mean, they, they didn't really give any like time frame of how long it'll take to do what and when, where and why, how, but as far as I'm aware, they're still in casting. So we have some time, but if we finish the first couple books and they give more information, we might pause and do kind of a, a special episode or something about what's going on. But as it is, there are plenty of sources of information from YouTube wheel of time podcasts, um, as well as any other wheel of time podcast is probably covering it in some semblance or mannerisms. Um, but I digress. Uh, so basically, the the purpose of this uh, podcast is to basically give everyone the ability to either recap it or uh, come through it for the first time as a first experience and get a little bit of detail on something that, that they might have missed through their read-through. But it's also a read-along, so we encourage you guys to read it, join us for whatever chapter it is we're going through. We're, gonna, we're going to attempt to do a chapter per episode but as somebody who's read this series i'm very much aware some of these chapters are a bit bulky so if it does become a little long we might do a little bit of editing and split it if we (laughs) go through it without realizing how long it is or we'll just try to like we'll read it and be like you know that's a little bit long let's try to cut it up and then we'll just split it before we even have to edit it which would be interesting um, I'm not a heavy production familiar person. I don't know, James, are you? <laughs> nope. So yeah, we're, we're doing no, this. 
We're doing I can pretty much just say time to turn my microphone on, and that's pretty much it. Hey, tech savvy. I like to hear that. Uh, but um, we're we're not a we're not a big crew. We're not run by like a million people that can just you know we have the guy well, the camera like guy. Or we? what? We're like two and a half people right now, aren't we? Two and a half? I mean, sure. I, know, I mean, I'm just counting you like your artist friend or whoever. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes, yes. My uh, my friend, the artist, who will be hopefully dropping the art for this soon, but she does have a job, so... Yeah, we're, that's we're... why I'm only considering her half person. Two, at the <laughs> two and a half. Yes, but she, I don't think she's going to be doing artwork for every single episode. I think she's just doing it for the series. So hopefully, hopefully that'll be... Uh, introduced at some point um at the moment i do not have anything to really fill it in because i wanted to be kind of unique but i also don't want to get sued so um we'll we'll see we'll see what we can pull off <laughs> but um but yes i guess we are a two and a half man woman crew um but throughout the series um maybe we'll grow maybe we won't it, it all depends on how the future arrives i guess um but something aside from just being a new read through what we would like uh from you the viewers i guess viewers is a term for audio i guess listeners listeners is the proper term i believe <laughs> for, for you the listeners um would be uh take take a couple notes you don't have to like note the entire series unless you prefer to do it that way but take notes um I, I would recommend not in your physical copy because that's going to take up a lot of space probably of the detail of when you have a character introduced, write down what you think they are and then we can have people compare notes and see how everyone views a same character, uh, a nation's culture, um, the, the economical system, just so we can kind of like delve into the overarching world that Robert Jordan, the author uh, made so fantastically in my opinion, but that way we can have some discussion off of that. Uh, we'd also like to do questions and anything like that. If you guys have, um, there may not be questions in the first couple episodes and they may be hit or miss depending on how, I think this is where the viewership comes into play. Um, uh, I'm not expecting, you know, a, a couple thousand people to show up on the first day, but hey, you never know. I don't know what other podcasts are getting in terms of traffic, and I don't know how many people are even interested in, in a detailed synopsis, if you will, of the series, um, or a, a detailed paraphrased synopsis of the series. Um well, that's well, this is a purely just a passion project, isn't it? Yeah, it's a passion well, I mean, project. I mean, for you, I, I'm literally being held hostage here. <laughs> but hey, but... hey, we've already heard how great you think the series is, and you haven't even read it yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a passion I'm project really for both of us now. You're you're stuck in me, with me now. Yeah. Um, I'm to note, I do not have a man staying behind me with a gun. Well, I did not pay him to say that, but... <laughs> so... Um, but as we go along, keep your notes. Let's let's have interaction. Um, you can email questions to talesofaredarm at gmail.com or visit us on Facebook or Twitter with Tales of a Red Arm. Um, both of them. I mean, Twitter's at Tales of a Red Arm. 
and Facebook is just Tales of a Red Arm page. Um, as we drop episodes and whatnot, we're going to update them, or I should say I'm going to update them unless James wants it on this. Um, do you want this responsibility of all this socialization? No? Okay. Uh, no, trust me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to block him after the first day from just sheer craziness. <laughs> but if you want to interact with us or ask something, or you found something that we said to be interesting, intriguing, or if you have a crazy theory of how you think something's going to turn out, feel free to drop us a line or something on that. Um, and we'll try to keep all questions pertaining to what series they are so like if if we're in chapter five or beyond and you have a question about something before that we'll take it immediately if it's something where it's book seven <laughs> we're, we're gonna wait until book seven to the pertaining part that it's related to and just so that no one's getting the book spoiled for them and the world can kind of melt together but feel free to message us personally with a question or email us a question so that way it doesn't spoil something for somebody else and we'll bring it up in the appropriate time frame or if we have to go back to the past we'll go back to the past um but as for the social media aspect that's where we would like you to join with us and interact with us a little bit and um Maybe as we go further down the line with the podcast, we'll evolve a little bit more and have some more direct, perhaps on the podcast, interaction with some of you listeners if we get that far <laughs> in terms of uh, popularity, which I'm not expecting, but it will be a pleasant surprise nonetheless. So um, this particular episode is kind of the intro episode, and we're also going to mix in with the prologue, since the prologue's a very short prologue. So um, if you haven't started reading it yet, I would recommend you pause the podcast here and just go read the five pages that it is. It's not very long. It's a little heavy, but we're hopefully going to cover that a little bit now. Um but uh, before we jump into that, James, do you have anything you would like to bring up, or are you just ready to jump in? Uh, no, I'm very much ready to sort of just get into this. Alrighty, you heard it from the man himself. Alright, so we're going to jump into the beginning of the prologue, which is Dragon Mount, of the first book of the series, The Eye of the World. Um, oh, I guess I should probably bring up uh, access to... <laughs> the books um if you do not own a copy of the book uh you can get the ebooks on amazon any ebook reader place i mean it's a very popular series you'll find it if you just look for wheel of time ebooks you'll find them um this is the first book the eye of the world and you can basically find it anywhere you can find it at barnes and nobles if you're from the state i don't know if they have barnes and nobles do they have barnes and nobles across the pond nope Okay, so you guys have a totally different world. <laughs> Don't even know what that is. It's a massive bookstore, uh, book bookstore chain. So, um, I guess see a local, okay, localized version. Uh, just go to Warstones if you want. If you're from Britain and you know what that is, because <laughs> yeah. if you're not from Britain and you're not from the U.S., you probably have no idea what we're talking about. But more yeah, than likely... It's just you're thinking, oh, what's this mystical place he's talking about? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I still don't know what it is. I don't even remember what it is because I don't have that great of memory. Woo! But um, 
if you're listening from uh, another country or another region or something other than where we are, please let us know so we can uh, hopefully help track down a, a copy for you. I know that uh, I've tried to find a Korean copy and it does not exist <laughs> for a, uh, uh, a Korean uh, family member. Um, but I digress. Um, you can find it on Amazon basically anywhere. And I know Amazon has their own region-based systems because I've personally ordered from Amazon Japan, which is always great when things are literally stuck on that particular Amazon and nowhere else. But who knew? I could still get it here in the States. Um, but if you have any questions concerning like what books and what order, there are extensive lists on the line, but feel free to ask us and we'll be more than happy to help you. Although... I might be more help than James <laughs> since James is again new. Um, so this will be an interesting breakdown for that. But um, maybe at some point, if we ever can afford a, uh, a website website, we can post a link to where to get them for you that way, uh, depending on how far down the line that is. But again, feel free to pick up a copy or if you already have a copy and you want to have another copy to mess up and write notes and stuff into it, uh, by all means, pick up another copy. I'm pretty sure the paperbacks are like $8. So, at least here in U.S. currency, it's not that much at all. But if you can manage to get yourself an ebook copy because you prefer that, I believe they have page numbers on some of them, but I don't know about all of them. Um, and if you prefer to have audiobook format, I love the audiobooks. Uh, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding are like the best of all time in terms of my personal favorite uh, narrators. And they do a fantastic job of bringing each character alive. Um, and it's interesting to see how they evolve everything as they go and as they particularly learn as the series continues. And it's a great way to do that. So I digress again because I'm really good at that for some reason because I can talk for a long time, which is why I'm doing a podcast. So... <laughs> Here we go. Um, prologue, Dragon Mount. Um, so, uh, I guess, James, since you have just read this recently, um, would you like to give, I don't know, a paraphrase? Or if you wanted to start out with a uh, initial reading, since we can't read everything, um, just to kind of get your view of the detail. What do you, what do you say? Uh, hmm. <laughs> to ramble more or try and do a in-depth reading hmm. or both because we're going to ramble both. anyway <laughs> so <laughs> this isn't this is not a thing has been nothing but ramble it's fine hey it's it's the first episode we gotta we gotta warm up to this we're amateurs we gotta gotta get used to this and become professionals by the next episode I'm totally pulling your leg. We're not going to be professionals by the end of the next episode. <laughs> but yeah. Somehow, actually going worse. <laughs> well, if you want to read just a little, a little snippet of uh, starting at the palace um, and kind of just read that first whole paragraph ending with peripheral things. Why don't you go ahead and read that? The palace still shook occasionally as the earth rumbled in memory groaned as if it would deny what had happened. 
Bars of sunlight cast through the rents near the walls made motes of a dust glitter where they yet hung in the air. Scorch marks marred the walls, the floor, the ceilings. Broad black smears here crossed the blistered paints and gilt of your onesie bright murals. Soot overlaying crumbling ear freezers of your men and animals which seemed to have attempted to walk before the madness required. The dead lay everywhere, men and women and children. Struck down in attempted flight by the lightnings that they flashed down every corridor, or seized by the fires that stalked them, or sunken into the stone of the palace. The stones that they flowed and sought, almost alive, before stillness came again. An odd counterpoint, colorfully tapestries and paintings, masterworks all hung undisturbed except the way a bulging walls had pushed them awry. Finely carved furnishings, inlaid with ivory and gold, stood untouched, except where rippling floors had toppled them. Mind-twisting had he struck at the core, ignoring me peripheral things. Alrighty, we'll, okay. we'll start, we'll stop there and start the discussion from that. Um, that detail, though... <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty heavy, pretty heavy detail for the intro lines to this quite detailed series. Um, and that's always been like a big thing of mine that I'm a huge fan of is the amount of detail. I mean, in that alone, that's a vivid picture. Just boom, right in front of you as you walk in the front door. <laughs> so, um I mean, well, it instantly, instantly sets the scene and also built a quite a, quite a strong mental image. I mean, he basically painted a picture and hung it on your wall. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's pretty pretty detailed, which I really do enjoy. Um, even like the things like the scorch marks marred the walls, the, the floors, the ceilings. Like You're like, wow, why are there scorch marks? Well, guess what, people? We are about to find out. <laughs> um was was there anything particularly uh, uh, like attractive for you in terms of like drew you to the intro as like this is interesting or did you find it kind of a little too heavy for your first read through? Uh, well, let's see, quite heavy on the details here, but um, not so much. Not so much well, heavy. Well, it, it, it starts here, like, it, the ball rolling for the atmosphere. Because... But, well, did you like it was more, more or less, I'm yes. asking. So you, you did uh, like how it was yeah. kind of just, like, filled and almost alive in your mind. Yeah, it's it's definitely long, but it's, it's sort of doing a slow build. Well, or at least perspective. The, the slowness is only the downhill roll before you hit that wonderful ramp that you go flying off of. Um... I guess I'll uh, pick up from the next part just to give kind of a little bit of a paraphrase to it with uh, Luz there and Telemon and uh, kind of give it a little bit more of a, a next setting. Um, so 
Luz Theron Telemon is a big character in this series. So it kind of feels right, considering he's considered the biggest character in the series, long-term-wise. Um, and he's going to basically be everywhere <laughs> for 15 books. But um, just to kind of paint a picture for you guys that he's, he's a big deal. Let's put it that way. Um, which may seem odd, and as you'll find out here in a second. But um, I'm just going to read a short bit, and then I'm going to switch to paraphrase right after that. Um, Luz Theron Telamon wandered the palace, deftly keeping his balance when the earth heaved. Ilyana, my love, where are you? The edge of his pale gray cloak trailed to the blood as he stepped across the body of a woman, her golden-haired beauty marred by the horror of her last moments, her still open eyes frozen in disbelief. Where are you, my wife? Where is everyone hiding? Now, that little section is a lot of wow and a lot of punch to the gut when you kind of like realize that this is the person he's looking for and he just kind of like steps right over her nonchalantly not seeing her at all and it's kind of a confusing opening but as we go on a little bit further in he's it, it covers a whole lot of details on the type of tapestries um any any type of clothes anything everything around him is just kind of painted as a very very refined detailed explanation of what's going on in the scene and as he's just going around looking for Ilyana his wife and he's trying to bring her to see something but they don't really necessarily go into what it is that he wants her to see but He's laughing and ignoring everything around him and how dead it feels in there, pun intended. Um, but at the same time, out of nowhere, there's like a ripple and then bam, there's a guy shows up and we're like, what's going on? Um, if you want to, James, you can read the, uh, the part where the part says behind him, the air rippled. Go ahead and just yep. read that up to the part where, uh, right before it says Lord of the Morning. Behind him, the air rippled, shimmered, solidified into a man who looked around, his mouth twitching briefly with distaste. Not so tall as he loosed therein, he was clothed in all in black, save for the snow-white hair lace at his throat the silver work of the turned-up tops of his thigh-high boots. He stepped carefully, handling his ear cloak here fastidiously to avoid you brushing the dead. Floor trembled with aftershocks, for his attention it was here fixed on the man staring to the mirror and laughing. Alright, so here we have the introduction of a new character on the second page of the book. <laughs> and... Uh, I guess technically he's the third character since we've already kind of introduced Ilyana, unfortunately. Um, 
least unfortunately for her and Luce Theron. So this new character shows up and is like, Lord of the Morning, I'm here for you. Bring it. And I know, I love my paraphrasing. <laughs> um, Lord of the Morning is a title for Luce Theron Telemon. And it's a big deal. So you'll want to probably mark that one down for the books because you'll come across that later on. Um, but it's interesting. This new character enters in and the first thing he notices is like, I just came out of thin air into this lifeless halls of this palace and I'm I'm seeing the floors trembling and this guy, Luce Theron, is just looking in a mirror and laughing. Like, he thinks this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to him in his life. And to the man, the newcomer's surprise, Luce Theron just basically is just like, oh, hi there. <laughs> Like, there's not corpses around me. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to my house. <laughs> and starts calling his wife again. Eliana, hey, we have a guest. Let's uh, let's get this place prepped for the guests because, you know, got to be here at our massive palace and greet people and be generous with our food and entertainment and etc. And the newcomer is just like, completely taken aback it's just like whoa what like really and then he uses this phrase that i love shaitan take you does the taint already have you so far in its grip so now we're introduced to this concept of the taint which we will learn as we go a little bit further so i won't really spoil that but the taint plays an enormous role as well now shaitan is an interesting word because shaitan is a dangerous word as Luce Theron says just shortly after that. And as it is brought in, in this, I believe it's in this prologue alone. Um, Shaitan is the dark one, the main protagonist or antagonist, not, not protagonist antagonist of uh, the series. And that's like the name you don't say because it draws his look to you. Similar to in Lord of the Rings, when you put the ring on, Sauron's like, he's got his eye on you. He knows where you are. He can see you anywhere. And that's the same concept for Shaitan to be uttered as name or even uttered in any shape or form. It's It brings the bad juju and the bad luck to you because it's considered dangerous to all of those who walk in the light. Um, and that's also another concept that's kind of new where there's the light and the dark one. So the light is obviously the, the good side <laughs> where the dark is a bit, obviously the dark one himself is the opposite of the light and the opposite of the creator who I believe is introduced a little bit later, but is basically the most simplistic form of this entire series. If you were to jam it into a nutshell. So, uh, loose Theron kind of like, Hey, you, you, you shouldn't say that to the newcomer and the newcomers like, well, at least you remember that. 
<laughs> and continues to call him a fool and basically bellows remember and split second later loose theron is looking at his hand and realized nothing at the moment at least that he's aware of he's just like what what it's like he's half startled that he is just like standing here and then is not really sure who he's even talking to as a guest and then the newcomer is like, I was once called Ellen Morin Tedronai, but now, and then Luce Theron whispers, Betrayer of Hope, which is also a title that is not nearly as popular as Lord of the Morning in the series, but it's definitely a, a noteworthy note, footnote, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then basically Ellen Morin Tedronai, the betrayer of hope, uh, basically has his introduction. <laughs> and, um, from that introduction, he remembers, or uh, he reminds, I should say, uh, Luce Theron that yes, I am the betrayer of hope, but other people call you dragon and, you didn't like that name, but I embraced my name as Betrayer of the Hope. So, um, then he refers to Luce Theron as Kinslayer. And this is also the first time that's brought into it. And there's gonna be a lot of first times in this book. So I'm going to try to keep that one probably to a minimum of using that phrase. But, um, he's, he's used as Kinslayer. And then Luce Theron's just like, goes back to his concept of my wife should be here and so he's a little bit not picking up what he's putting down and he starts looking for Ileana again and you get a little earthquake and unfortunately for Ileana she responds just not the way that she probably would want to and so Ellen Morin is like you used to be the biggest the best the the top tier the cream of the crop, so to speak. And you defeated me and pulled me out of my revelry and glory of my uh, particular, best way to say it would be like the best, the, my particular rise of glory, you kept humbling me and defeating me. And I'm not going to let you die without knowing that I'm actually going to be the one defeating you. But, of course, Luce Theron just completely, completely ignores um, Ellen Morin. And just, it's like, man, my wife, where is she? <laughs> and it's kind of a morbid, morbid sense of humor where it's just like, she's right there, but not the way you think. She and... What did, what did you think about this this next part where Ellen Morin's, you know, pitying Luce Theron or tossing back his black cloak, Ellen Morin flexed his hands. A pity for you, he mused, that one of your sisters is not here. I was never very skilled at healing, and I follow a different power now. What, do you, what, did, what did you think about that section? Well, the thing is here that, like, this is very much um, throwing you in the deep end. 
as like a re as a as a Rita to say because Well they throw you in a flashback before they put you in the real time. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. It's more because they like there's a like there's a clearly an established relationship between uh Ellen Morin and uh Luce Theron. Just purely because of the agency, the way, like the language that's being used, and you can clearly see the animosity that Alan Morin has towards uh, Luz Theron. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Luz Theron doesn't yeah. reciprocate because he has like no idea who Alan Morin is. <laughs> there is very, there's very much a sense to air to this, purely just because we like in the morbid, morbid nature. Of uh, just the scene at hand, just I I need like very much a guess, like what's going to happen next, and I am not looking forward to it when it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, you've already read the uh, prologue, just so we could have this, but um, you probably won't get the rest of the story until much later. Um, but essentially, uh, from this. It seems that Ellen Morin uses Shaitan, the Dark One's form of healing, to heal Luce Theron because you get this reference to it's a pity for you, he mused, that one of your sisters is not here. And you see sisters is capitalized, not just like his sister, like Luce Theron's sister, you know, Cheryl Telemon or, you know, Annie Telemon. It's very much a proper noun and it very much stands out and as far as i'm aware you still don't know who that is <laughs> so uh, i'm also assuming that many of the uh fellow readers right now uh they are noticing that he has certain things here like uh are being uh, capitalized here such as uh, the song and stuff like that and uh, thus yeah. you can you can sort of like extrapolate that they're talking about like an event or a being or something like that. Yeah, like so, er- earlier, like two paragraphs know, earlier, yeah. Ellen Morin was talking about the servants, capitalized servants, the Ring of Tamerlan, capitalized, the High Seat, capitalized, Summon the, ni- the Nine Rods of Dominion, capitalized. And it's just like, these are all capitalized, so they're all like specific things that have a specific title. The Hall of Servants, the Gates of Paran Descent. All these places are like, or all these places, things, people, or whatever, are all proper nouns, even though, like, you stood first among the servants. Well, it could be, like, the butler, the the leading butler. Like, that's what you would assume if it was lowercase servants. But because it's capitalized as a proper noun, it brings forth whole different meaning, which it doesn't really capitalize off of now. But later on, it does give you a little glimpse but it's also part of the universe that you can kind of just like gather little bits and pieces over time that put it together as a full puzzle which is part of the fun of it uh, personally um so basically ellen warren's like be healed loose theron and then boom loose theron just pain lots and lots of pain just wailing and just basically just it, it was not pleasant. It was very, very much agony on the worst possible level. And basically goes until he can't scream anymore. And it goes away over a very slow period. And then 
I like I like the the detail of the outflowing seemed to take a thousand years and left him twitching weakly, sucking breath through a raw throat. Another thousand years seemed to pass before he managed to heave himself over, muscles like a jellyfish, and shakily push himself up on hands and knees. It's like hyperbolic detail, anyone? <laughs> like a thousand years passed? No. But it's what it felt like. It's like, when it was like, man, it felt like 10 years passed before I could get my food because I was so hungry. It's just like that super hyperbolic overkill of language to explain something. But it's actually kind of interesting, honestly. It's just like, you're, you're not going to expect any like boring old phrasing of like, the outflowing seemed to take five seconds and left him twitching weakly, sucking breath through a raw throat. Another five seconds seemed to pass before he committed to... Like, there's nothing drawing of that. So they're like, yeah, a thousand years? Imagine what a thousand years of pain would feel. And then the thousand pain or a thousand years of pain receding pain. So like pain moving at such a slow pace to recede to the point where you're going from extreme pain. Like you got hit by a car to you feel fine, <laughs> but very, very long frame as opposed to like a couple months in the hospital. So then he notices his, he notices the golden haired woman, Ilyana, and he just loses it completely loses it. And you get to see here a phrase that you'll see also very frequently. Ilyana, light help me, Ilyana. Light help me is a common phrase used by typically the non-followers of the Dark One. Um, so it's, it's a common phrase that you'll see anytime light is used, and it's capitalized light. It's the light. It's the good side it's the good versus evil dynamic. It's the good side. And he just loses it, sobbing, crying. And then Ellen Moran's like, hey, hey, you want her back? You can have her back. And as he <laughs> now announces Shaitan as his particular title, the Great Lord of the Dark, which is a term specifically used by Dark followers of the Lord of the Dark. And um, no one else calls him that but his followers. And he's like, hey, the great Lord of the Dark can make her live again. <laughs> Subtle look at necromancy, but not quite on the necromancy you might hear from like uh, World of Warcraft or uh, any other popular series that is like, hey, we have necromancers. We could just take a dead body and poof, make it a standing puppet. It's legitimate renewal back to how they were but with something else swapped out essentially like the, the the soul and the passion of the individual would no longer be there and then Lucerne seemingly lucid basically looks just looks at Ellen Warren and Ellen Warren's like oh whoa and backs up and he's like it's taken 10 years and Ellen Moore just like stops up like, ho, 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 10 years. 
we've been doing this since the, the turning of the wheel. Now keep in mind, the wheel is cap or wheel is capitalized. That's the wheel of time, which will also be introduced later on. So you're going to get kind of like a raw intro and you're like, I don't understand a lot of things. Well, a lot of those things will be introduced right at the beginning of the next episode, or in this case, the next chapter, <laughs> which would be the next episode. Um, and it's just like, this has happened thousands of battles over thousands of times, a thousand, and we will fight until time dies and the shadow is triumphant. Shadow being capitalized, being the shadow is a creation of the great Lord of the Dark. It's his entourage. It's him and everything related to him. And now Luz Theron's shocked and like backs up a little bit and... Then we basically have a little blurb about what happened. And I'll actually, um, I'll actually have you read James where it goes, remember you fool. Just read that paragraph. Remember you fool. Remember your futile attack on the great Lord of the dark. Remember his counterstroke. Remember. Even now, the hundred year companions are tearing the world apart, and every day a hundred men more join them. What hands to Ileana Sanher Kinslayer? Not mine. Not mine. What hand struck down every life that bore a drop of your blood? Everyone who loved you. Everyone you loved? Not mine, Kinslayer. Not mine. Remember... You know the price of opposing Shaitan. So that one paragraph just all of a sudden changes the entire picture of what was going on. You kind of realize that at the very beginning, Luce Theron kind of just like lost his mind. And you can kind of imagine based upon some minor deductions that the counterstroke kind of affected that in more or less a direct effect, since this all happens in a short time frame of what this paragraph says. The 100 Companions, which is uh, capitalized as a proper noun, that is all like stuff that's happening right this second. But also at the same time, days have passed. So you get kind of this picture of the 100 Companions, which seems to be a group, and they're going across the world and just ripping the world apart. <laughs> it just, <coughs> excuse me, just absolutely demolishing the world. And we're not sure how, but they are. And basically now he's like, hey, Ilyana died, but who killed Ilyana? Not me. That would definitely not be me. But who basically killed their entire family? It wasn't me, the follower of the shadow and of the great Lord of the dark. Guess who it was? It was you. Somehow in that counterstroke, you lost your mind and slaughtered everyone you loved. And it's just like, now Luz Theron's looking around and just seeing everyone he knew and loved, everyone he was related to and the servants that served him, not, not capital S servants, but like just the, the servants, the people he knew from his childhood, everybody just poof, 
grotesquely slaughtered in this palace, just littering the palace. Um, his children, his wife, everybody, just done. And now we see this new aspect that pops up called the true source to tainted Sidene and traveled. Now, true source is capitalized. Sidene is italicized. And this is something that you will always see it italicized. Um, Sidene will always be italicized. Sidar will be italicized. And that's mostly because it's a constant point out, but I, I'm believing that Robert Jordan uh, put this in there to kind of like let it stand out for you and know that it is a very specific thing. Um, and then traveled is also capitalized, meaning it's not just like he just went for a road trip after slaughtering his family. That would be a little too morbid, but he basically uh, reaches out to this, unknown source ironically also called the true source um and to tainted sidene and this is something that probably should have a little bit of touch on in terms of the aspect of magic in the world um, this is the first reference of that magic that is blatantly referenced it was referenced earlier when ellen morin entered the scene and twisted the uh basically the air to enter the scene. He didn't come through the doorway. He kind of like just poofed himself in there through a magical source. Um, so you'll see different versions of it throughout the book, but the main two sides of Sidene and Sidar. Sidene is wielded by men. Sidar is wielded by women. Um, traveled, as you can tell in the following is one second he's in his palace bam now he's in a flat and empty land with river and you couldn't really s tell that anybody is anywhere near him for a hundred leagues so very much not where he was and he basically took one step so it's, it's kind of easy to tell magic was involved with this portal if you will and you're not exactly surprised, ultimately. Now, from this spot, he's he's still haunted by the faces of those he loves and cares about. And it's, it's bothering him, obviously, and rightly so. So he gets out of Dodge, and it still bothers him even when he's in the middle of nowhere with no one, not a single soul nearby for hundreds of miles. And now he's just skyward crying out for some form of redemption um, from the light. And you get this feel because of the previous paragraph where the tainted Sidene. So Sidene was at one point not tainted which gives you a sense that now this form of magic now has a, an aspect to it that is uh, not right. It's not as it should be. It's a 
uh, a broken aspect. Something happened. And from Ellen Moran's detailing, that could be part of the counterstroke. So the counterstroke of the Dark One came back at Theron and those like him for what they did to him. Him being the Dark One. And then we have this little thing where, a little blurb where it introduces the opposite of the Dark One. Where it says, because in his pride he had believed that men could match the Creator, could mend what the Creator had made and they had broken. In his pride he had believed. So we get this other being in, create the Creator, which is capitalized, which would be, I guess, the equivalent of uh, any major religion's creator of all, like Greek mythology. Um, I, th- I think it's Zeus. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, James, about basic mythologicals. Um, Norse yeah. mythology, was it Odin was the yeah. creator? Yeah, so like you, ha- you have that, the big kahuna himself that basically is like, bam, world, have a good day. But... It's more Robert Jordan seems to take a deistic approach where the creator kind of like shows up, makes it puts the dark one in what appears to be a prison of some sort. And basically mankind broke that prison without realizing it. And in their attempt to patch it back up, they thought they could because they had magic and power and they thought they could be on the same tier as the person who created it all, which is always a funny concept to me personally is like, yeah, I'm just as strong as the person who created me. I'm like, cool story, bro. <laughs> How's that work out for you? Um, and then it mentions the true source a little bit more and he just Pulls it in, pulls it in, pulls it in. Light, forgive me, Ileana. This last thing he says, and then I'll have you actually read the following. The the it's the third to the last or fourth to last paragraph indent anyway, where it says the air turned to fire. Okay. The air turned to fire. The fire to light liquefied. The bolt that struck here from me the heavens would have seared and blinded any eye that glimpsed it, even for an instant. From the heavens it came, blazed through loose therein Telamon, bored into the bowels of the earth. Stone turned to vapor at its touch. The earth thrashed and quivered like a living thing in agony. Only a heartbeat did the shining bar exist, connecting ground and sky. Even after it vanished, the earth yet heaved like the sea, like the sea in a storm. Molten rock fountained five hundred feet into the air, and the groaning ground rose, thrusting the burning spray even ever upward, ever higher. From north and south, from east and west, the wind howled in, snapping trees like twigs. Shrieking and blowing as if he had aided the growing mountain ever skyward. Ever skyward. Heavy. Pretty heavy, especially considering the topic. What are your uh, thoughts on the previous actions <laughs> since he became lucid and realizing what he did? 
Uh, well, reading through this again, not having the full picture as to who everyone is in relation to who. Well, I mean, the 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 text itself states that basically everyone earlier that was dead was an old friend, a childhood friend, uh, well, servants, I mean, family, children, wife, like everyone important I mean it, to him. I mean it more from uh, the like um, Luz Theron and uh, Ellen Morin. Yeah, Ellen Morin were uh, talking about he can't feel like a quite a quite high sort of like beings, such as he like. The light, light and light and shadow and something like that. Mm-hmm. But then you just need to see Luce there and just do this. Like uh, <laughs> a little unexpected, but well, it comes out, it comes out of nowhere. But I mean, imagine how you would feel if you just if you if you had gone insane, not realized it, and then someone's like, "Oh, let me uh, remove that insanity for you," as painful as it might be, and all of a sudden you now just realize everyone you loved is dead. And it's because of you. Like, how would you feel? <laughs> how do you expect you would feel, I guess, is the real question. Uh, well, if I had to get the power to create a giant lightning bolt from the heavens, I think I would. Maybe. Possibly. Uh, probably. Now, here's, here's the thing, though. He used lightnings and fire and all this magic to kill his own family without realizing it because he was insane at the time, but it's just the weight crushed him so much of what he had done. He's like, I have to leave. So he gets, he's trying to escape what he had done, but he's also saddened by it and wants to find some redemption, but doesn't think he can find it. So he just kind of like roars and just soaks in the power that he's, pulsating through him from the true source and something i probably didn't mention out earlier is that and before he says light forgive me Eliana, it says he drew on the true source deeply and still more deeply like a man dying of thirst quickly had drawn more of the one power than he could channel unaided um there's more to that but it's that that term the one power now this is like the most common term for the magic of this world is the one power. The one power is uh, the simplest terminology for it. The true source is used, and sometimes it gets confused with some other things, um, but the true source is the one power, but the source of Sidene and Sidar, as best described. Um, but one power being a proper noun it's it's a very predominant thing. You're going to probably see a little bit more of it. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, so now we have him basically blasting the ground with this one power and rising this growing mountain that just keeps seeming to go up and up and up. And it's just it just becomes a massive mountain. And... After the wind dies and everything, Luce Theron's gone. Don't see him anywhere. No idea what happened to him. He's just gone. But then this um, 
the river that was right next to it gets pushed away because this mountain came out from flat ground, I might add. It just literally just changed everything. It just poof out of the ground. Um, and there's also this little island that the river splits around. And that island is kind of a big deal in some semblances. Um, at least to the, the, the story in large. So keep that one put in your notes. And this mountain, obviously, because of how much how much description put into this from Robert Jordan's perspective, it's it's gonna be kind of a big deal too. So big tall mountain, keep that one in your books to in your notes to keep an eye out for later, because it's gonna be kind of a big deal. Um so it just basically becomes really quiet. And all of a sudden, again, the air shimmers and bam, Alan Warren shows up again. But now he's like ticked, like really ticked. He's like, you can't get away from me. I snap between it. This, this is this whole thing. We're going to do this again. And I'm going to take you down next time because you could tell he really wants to beat Luz Theron at something <laughs> like he's desperate at this point, it seems. But, um, and then he disappears, and then now you have this mountain and this island. And that last phrase, then he was gone, and the mountain and the island stood alone, waiting. So, mountain and island stood alone. Mountain and the island are, again, key points. It's Robert Jordan's trying to point you at this mountain and this island. Like, these two things are big deals. Pay attention to these. So, like I said, you might want to pay attention to put that on a note. Now, the waiting aspect is great because of the following part. Because this is now technically the end of the prologue. Um, and I was going to read these next two uh, little blurbs that um, later on you'll know them as prophecies in some semblance. But they're also histories and stuff like that. You'll see these at, almost at the end of most chapters. and uh, Or at least not at the end of the chapter. You'll see them at the end of the book and at the beginning of the book pretty commonly. Um, but I'll go ahead and read the first one. And I may or may not be able to pronounce these off the top because I haven't refreshed myself lately. So I'm going to read them. Uh, anything that's uh, italicized with the, the best of my ability. So if you hear something different, please let me know. And uh, I'll try to correct it. Um, the, the basic common use stuff in the series, I can typically get right on the first try. Some of the stuff that's usually referred to as once not very good at it myself <clears throat> but um, i'll go ahead and read that part <clears throat> and the shadow fell upon the land and the world was riven stone from stone the oceans fled and the mountains were swallowed up and the nations were scattered to the eight corners of the world the moon was as blood and the sun was as ashes the seas boiled, and the living envied the dead. All was shattered, and all but memory lost, and one memory above all others, of him who brought the shadow and the breaking of the world, and him they named Dragon. For Maleth Nin Terran Alta Camora, The Breaking of the World. Author unknown, The Fourth Age. The second part. And it came to pass in those days, as it had come before and would come again, 
that the dark lay heavy on the land and weighed down on the hearts of men, and the green things failed, and hope died. And men cried out to the Creator, saying, O light of the heavens, light of the world, let the promised one be born of the mountain according to the prophecies, as he was in ages past and will be in ages to come. Let the prince of the morning sing to the land, and that green things will grow, and the valleys give forth lambs. Let the arm of the Lord of the dawn shelter us from the dark, and the great sword of justice defend us. Let the dragon ride again on the wings of time. From Sheral Drianen A. Kalaman The Cycle of the Dragon Author Unknown, The Fourth Age Whew! How, how's that for uh, an entire history in two paragraphs? <laughs> Does it feel any clearer for you, James? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but, but but such is the way of things. Uh, well, it's, it's keeping you on your toes. It's, it's pulling you into the book. It's like, if you want more information, you got to keep reading. <laughs> yeah. There's several, well, several characters, concepts, and uh, just elements here that are just introduced and not explained because it wouldn't make sense in context for the characters to you know say ah oh, you you know the blah 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 and just because yeah, people don't just like that. But, well normal people don't <laughs> no. um i i did find it interesting because it's, it's it's like he's handing you a little biscuit and saying hey hey here you you can you want more of this? I got more where this came from. You just gotta keep reading. <laughs> and um, you what? It definitely builds intrigue. Yeah, intrigue is one of the few things that most authors can't always nail in the first end. And this is a prologue, so like you don't even really know what the book contains until you read the first chapter. But the prologue is like, I'm gonna give you a little bit of taste of what to expect from the first chapter, which is what you're already waiting to expect from to begin with because most books let's be honest don't even have prologues most books just say chapter one and then blare right through it so you you're not really expecting anything out of it anyway <clears throat> and the things that i mean i've read this multiple times obviously <laughs> but it's still kind of like you can piece things together and it's kind of fun for me as a a re-reader a re-re-re-re-re etc reader um that you can still pick up on some stuff like how much in these last two paragraphs, which are basically prophecies and histories, how much is like stands out like shadow land world again, the world, um, the shadow, the breaking of the world dragon, like in the first paragraph of that, all those things are highlighted. So it's like, okay, the land, what is the land? The world is the land, but the world's also capitalized, so it brings in a whole nother meaning on top of it. And when it says the shadow fell upon the land, it's just kind of like it kind of got a bit dark, not necessarily in terms of like they never had mourning, but in terms of there was more sway held by the shadow than was probably held for a long, long time prior to all this happening. And it also shows kind of a, a different feel because 
the oceans fled, the mountains were swallowed up, and the nations were scattered to the eight corners of the world. So it's not just the four corners of the world. It's eight corners. That's a that's scattered. <laughs> um, it's like almost like having two planes of existence, but it's all the same planes of existence at the same time. But with the oceans flooded and the mountains swelling up, that's terraforming. Like, because of these hundred companions and because of what uh, Luce Theron Talamon does with how he can just, like, create a mountain out of nowhere, literally in nowhere, how he can do that out of nowhere, imagine uh, what we assume is the hundred companions, which be a hundred people assuming there was just a hundred of people that could do the same thing. How, how much could you terraform the world? Do you think? Yeah, it, uh, well, it definitely is like a sort of, uh, well, still quite a lot of context even missing, but again, like it, it's sort of just, yeah, cause it sort of shows you, tries to put things into like perspective. Well, and we get we get this title for what this is, the breaking of the world. So all this stuff that's happening with the oceans fleeing, the mountains swallowed up, Luce Theron making a mountain, and what we would presume the hundred companions running rampant across the world, and all this stuff changing is due to these people, presumably people, um, basically just going berserk everywhere. So it literally just terraforms the planet, basically. And they're all, like, depressed because of this person named the dragon. That they named the dragon. Or named dragon. But then the next paragraph brings in the creator and giving him titles. The light of the heavens, the light of the world. Those are two titles for the creator, which will help any other future titles that come out for the creator or the light as he's more refer he's referred to more as the light than just the creator in that regard. Um, let's say, let the promise one be born. Let the Prince of the morning, let the Lord of the dawn, let the dragon. All these are titles of the same individual loose there in Telamon. So it's kind of a big deal when you're like, the first one you're saying, oh, how, like, let's weep and cover ourselves in ashes because of the dragon. And then the next one, they're like, bring him back. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's changing your tune quite a bit. So, um, I find it intriguing that it's quite a different feel from those two different but i mean they're both unknown authors they're both from the fourth age but they're like hey we we need the dragons to, to shelter us from the dark so creator please please bring them back but they don't know what's going on in that regard like that it's it's all it's a prophecy of like we want the dragon to return but then there's no dragon necessarily there to return. Um, so I guess, do you have any final nuances, I guess, about, about uh, what was read in terms of, I understand it's not 
great context, but with those two clashing paragraphs, what do, what do you presume to experience in this series? Uh, well, the thing is either like prologue. It's not always here, like a great indicator as here to like the rest of the rest of the book, but um. Well, part of know, the part, get... part of the fun discussion is figuring out like based off of what I read up to this point. Here's what I here's what I'm saying is going to happen through the series, yeah. and then see how much that changes. <laughs> Again, I feel like the like quite a lot of like these uh grinder concepts are going to be expanded on and. Uh, I feel like that idea, like, um, I got him as a name, just keeps slipping out of my mind. Uh, the Betrayer. The Betrayer of Hope, Ellen Warren? Yeah, Ellen Warren. Like, I I definitely feel that like he's going to be like. I'll let you know right now, Ellen Warren's not a name you're going to hear a lot of in the series. Betrayer of Hope, okay. you will hear a bit more, but not not Ellen Warren. Think, this is, this is something where. With these prophecies in the fourth age, this is something where time has passed when these prophecies come into play. Like, the second one implies that it came into pass to those days as it had come before and would come again, that the dark lay heavy on the land and weighed on the hearts of men and such. So, this is post what just happened. Like, this, this blurb is what came after this prophecy. So... They're making a prophecy to to come back. So this happened pretty early on, comparative to where it seems that the story is moving. So in that time frame, people, like, I mean, let, let's see, how much can you forget in a thousand years? <laughs> like, <laughs> and how many thousands of thousands of years does it take to make an age? Like, it's it's never really fully given a timestamp of what an age is an age is a turning of the wheel so well how much is the turning of the wheel an age <laughs> like it's kind of redundant back and forth where you, you don't get a solid it's not like oh yeah it's every 500 years or it's every 2000 years or it's every 10 million years like it's not given a specific time frame but you can hint that this one came before and thus later on it's going to this prophecy came much afterwards and this prophecy is probably going to be before the normal story that's just a basic assumption that i'm hoping you agree with <laughs> but yeah. um from that names like Luce Theron Telemon Ellen Morin you might not hear those names a whole lot in terms of like the average person in the series, like everyday peasant that's just walking around like, yeah, I know who that is. No, you won't get that. <laughs> They're not going to be like, who? Who's that? Now, they will remember titles. I mean, it's the same thing with like the Dalai Lama. What's the Dalai Lama's name? Because the Dalai Lama is a title, I believe, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. It's just like, we don't know how many Dalai Lamas there were. We don't know how many there were going to be. But one thing we, are, we do know is that we're probably not going to remember the name of the person who is the Dalai Lama. We'll just remember that he is the Dalai Lama. And that's the same kind of concept. It's like, we'll remember Betrayer of Hope or the Dragon, but we're not going to remember Luz Theron Telemann or Ellen Morin for the everyday Joe Schmo peasant. 
So that's just something that we're, we're not going to see. <laughs> but um, from that, it's a little interesting that um, there, there is some correlation. And this is stuff that even I don't like, I, I just kind of picked that up as we were reading is, is like, you know, from what happens in this prologue to these, from my knowledge of the, of the series and the story that comes from it, this is actually, this is some time frame, and knowing how much later on people actually do know, it's kind of interesting that so much actually survived to it. Like those prophecies, I'm personally shocked that those, those prophecies and such actually did make it to the present day of the story because it just seems like that's something that would be lost. And we'll find out that tons of stuff is lost because i mean that's history like even in our our history of earth and the world we've lost so much of it because it was either oral tradition or it was written on papaya and you know that crumbled into pieces <laughs> over time it's just like archaeology exists for a reason but even archaeology can't bring back what is dissolved into dust it's just that doesn't work but um all right so I guess to wrap up for this particular episode, this has probably gone on longer than I was expecting it to, but um, uh, considering how detailed we went into it, um, did you have any last prologue finale sayings of James? No, I just, uh, I see <laughs> last, last thoughts just to so not keep reading just because he, there's a, there's a, he like, so you are intrigued. Yes. Yes. You are. He's going to, Interesting that yeah, the one to at least some answers to uh, You're like, to well, I'm I'm really hoping this this next chapter really holds up to, to this prologue because this is quite the prologue. And then you get to the next chapter, you're like, hmm, they're talking about fish. This is not going well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not not saying that they are talking about fish, but it's like that that's be that's like the kind of intrigue buildup you have in a book. It's like, wow, this is a great epic prologue, chapter one. The cat was playing with the dog. What? <laughs> it just totally, totally changes the theme on you. But, all right. Well, I think we'll call it good for here. Um, once again, um, feel free to reach out to James and I at uh, Tales of a Red Arm on Facebook um, or at Tales of a Red Arm on Twitter. Or if you prefer to just directly reach us at tales of red arm at gmail.com um we'll be happy and excited and more than uh well happy and excited <laughs> to <laughs> to uh uh communicate with you and um any reviews i mean hopefully we're at least slightly entertaining for you um but also we are my personal main goal and i hope james gets this out of this as well is that i want james to get the best experience on this series he could possibly have um through this and i i know because i'm a person where when i get a book open i don't stop it until i'm done and the world is dead to me until i'm finished it so props to you james <laughs> for doing this chapter at a time because i literally am not capable of doing that um which i guess is why i'm the one who's the veteran bringing in the noobs because I'd rather somebody else 
get <laughs> get into this just like I am passionate about this. And if you can't tell I'm passionate about this, well, you aren't listening well enough. Um, but <laughs> uh, if you'd like to to get a hold of us and hey, get get I I recommend you get James's viewpoint. So ask lots of questions to James because I, I want him to be sweating about the next episode <laughs> every time. It's like, yeah, James, there's like 50 questions in here just for you. Ah, oh, you'd love me so much. <laughs> I, I, I try to help him a little bit, but <laughs> I'm going to throw you to the wolves, James. Deal with it. Um, but yeah, but thanks for thanks for joining us for our first episode, which is more or less our intro to us and what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast. Uh, ways to contact us as well as the prologue. Um, it probably went on a lot longer, but I'm not sure what the exact time is. But um, it went longer for only like five, six pages. But um, hopefully that gets you guys interested. If you are if you haven't gotten the book and you just wanted to listen along to see if you might be interested, hopefully this got you interested and hopefully you'll go out and buy the book, support the series um, and Robert Jordan's uh, legacy. But... Uh, if you have any questions about where to get the best deals on this stuff, um, I'd recommend Amazon's probably gonna be the easiest, but it may or may not be the cheapest. Um, support your local bookstores, wherever they are, as in James has his weird named one that I don't remember. And I have my weird name one that he probably doesn't remember either. Um, but I, mine's not particularly a, a small business, but your local bookstores or if you have a larger bookstore chain check them out they have them and they are front page and if they don't have them you probably live in a region that doesn't have it in that version so you can get it and i think there's like 18 different languages it's been translated into like german uh english obviously it was not really translated in english it's written in english but i know they got like french german um japanese chinese and a couple other ones but uh support support the series and hey if you want to support us in any way best way is to send us mail <laughs> and uh listen in and tell your friends and if you have if you know anybody who uh you want to get into the series so you can chat with them along the the, the adventure and the story or if you're a returning listener or not listener returning reader of the wheel of time and you're kind of just enjoying this but you also want to get somebody into it please let others know about it the more people that are involved the more interesting the questions get the more different viewpoints come together in a big blob and you can always poke fun at james for i don't know whatever reason i thought i thought james did a great job but (laughs) probably better than i would have on my first time i would have been just too absorbed in the reading to listen to someone like me talk (laughs) personally but um but thanks james for uh joining me on this adventure and uh we'll all see you guys next time but hopefully you enjoyed the intro to this podcast but now let's check out with the uh well, I guess let's check out with the Red Arms and the Tavern and see how they're doing. And we'll catch you around next time. Bye. We drink all night and dance all day. And on the girls will send our bay. And when we're done, then we'll await to dance with Jack of the Shadows.
We'll toss the dice however they fall When struggle that girls be they short or tall Then follow young Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When struggle that girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hog the mags, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark ones first To dance with Jack of the Shadows yeah. 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 Yeah.